Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Motivation Mindset. I'm Risa Williams. I'm a book author and therapist, and this is a podcast about getting stuff done without all the stress. And for everyone listening out there, if you'd like to join in and work with me, I'm starting a Get Stuff Done goals group. We're going to meet every month, and you can join in the fun and get some tools that can help you feel more motivated. Go to risawilliams.com or patreon.com slash risawilliams to find out more information. And now, Here's another episode to help you tune up your daily mindset. Hi, everyone, and welcome to an episode of the Motivation Mindset. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the mindset of money. And joining me today is Sepeda Saremi. She is the founder of Run, Walk, Talk Therapy. She is a licensed social worker and an executive advisor who specializes in working with entrepreneurs and business partners. So welcome, Sepeda, to the show. Hi, Risa. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you today. I'm excited to talk to you as well. So money is such a loaded issue. Sometimes it brings up feelings of stress, feelings of scarcity, and other times people get excited about money and thinking about money. Money is all over my practice. So it's money is really, really interesting because it is a very concrete thing. You can literally see money in black and white. You can put things in a spreadsheet and, and it's in black and white and you can see how much money you have and how much you need. And at the same time, there's a little bit of magic to money. Yeah. Um, if you think about it, we very rarely now are handling money physically. So mm-hmm. a lot of our transactions with money happen in the ether, right? We're using credit cards or digital payments. And so I think a lot of us don't have um, a very concrete relationship to money, even though it is a very concrete thing. When we don't have a concrete relationship to something, we often will project a lot of things onto it. I think of money as a very neutral, concrete tool, uh, like a hammer, for instance. And just like with a hammer, you can use money to build or you can use money to destroy. Um, And people have all sorts of ideas about what money is and what money means. And then they end up enacting those things out in the world. So it's really important in the work that I do, because I work so much with people who are in business, that the relationship to money is examined and understood because it's always being acted out. Right. I like how you said that, our relationship to money. And sometimes it can be a kind of messed up relationship that we pull ideas from our childhood and our upbringing, and we maybe project those onto our experience now. So do you find that's often the case that some of our ideas about money come from our upbringing and what we're taught at an early age? Yeah, absolutely. And just like a lot of other things that we learn when we're very young, those things become core beliefs that then we often don't even understand. Um, They're just operating automatically for us. And so with money, it's really helpful. One of the things that I like to do with my clients is to have them think about what were the messages that you got about money when you were really young? Did you have a lot of money growing up? Did your family have any trauma around money, like a bankruptcy or big loss, or or did you live in poverty? Because all of those things invariably end up creating like a tapestry uh, of your relationship with money. And if you can understand that, then you have a chance at changing and shifting that so that your relationship to money is updated to the present time because we're not children anymore. So it's that becomes a really powerful way to start to shift the relationship with money is just to understand 
what was operating, what was happening around money when you were a child? Right, right. And often it's such a stressful subject. And we grew up getting a lot of stressful messages about money from our parents, whether they had a lot of it or a little. Often it causes a lot of tension in relationships. You overhear things, you worry about it as a kid. And sometimes even when things have changed for you on the outside, you're still carrying those beliefs deep inside of you. So it's like peeling away all those layers till you get to that belief and examining it. And a lot of people, like you said, are carrying them around and not examining them. They're sort of just making decisions based upon things they haven't brought to light. That's exactly right. Uh, one of the things I will often have people do if they if they are interested in doing this work is I will have them track where their money is going. Mm-hmm. Just the act of looking at what's coming in and what's going out and where is it going can be very illuminating for people. And that's one way that we can kind of uh, tiptoe into exploring what the relationship is and what some of the messaging is around money so that they can start to feel more powerful around it and and understand that they don't have to be operating the way that their family of origin did. They can choose their own way of being with money. Right. Because it often goes back to what we believe about money and money can be an umbrella for so many other things like self-worth or our feelings of being lucky sometimes or our feelings of receiving or just being able to create new situations for ourselves. Sometimes it goes back to self-esteem, doesn't it? Yes. So unfortunately, yes, oftentimes money and self-esteem get very tied together. We do live in a materialistic world. And so it's natural for people to confuse and conflate the two, but it's very important to separate them. Money is a tool, right? And money is exists for you to be able to create in the world and for you to be able to solve problems in the world, um, in the material world. And so money and your self-worth are not related. But money is a reflection of what what it is that you need. So that's where you want to make sure you're focusing. So if you charge money for services or you have a salary, we all are always interacting with money all the time. You want to be sure that you're really realistic with money and that you make it concrete. And so one of the exercises I'll have my entrepreneurs do is I'll have them think about, well, what is the life that they want to be creating for themselves? And then I actually have them go and attach like dollar amounts to what that is. So whatever it is, and it doesn't matter. Okay. You want to own an island? Great. What does an island cost? Right. How much money do you need to make to to buy an island? Right. Um, Or you want to have a particular car. Um, and and I don't care, right? For me, it's not important what it is. It's more yeah. about them aligning with their values and understand what they want and why. And then comes the you concretize it with money. So then you work backwards, right? You have an idea of this is how much money I need um, based on what it is that I want in my life. And there's no judgment around that. You can want whatever you want um, as long as you understand why. And then you work backwards and you basically think about what it is that you're offering, how much time that it takes, and then you do some math and then you make it very black and white and your is very clear. And then all of the sort of shame that comes up for people around asking for money or maybe raising their fees or um, charging for their services or products, it kind of melts away because it becomes what it is, which is a very concrete tool. Um, and then all of the all of the muck of you know childhood and self-worth and self-esteem and all those things uh, don't have to enter in in the same way. They will still sneak in, but yeah. then at least you'll have you'll be grounded in reality of like, no, this is what I need to create in order to have the life that I want. Um, and it makes things much more clear. 
I like what you're saying because it goes back to sort of my philosophy about things, which is, first of all, you have to take big things and break them down into small practical steps because it engages the logical side of our brains and gets us out of the emotional Mm -hmm. overwhelm that we tend to get tipped over into when we're thinking about serious issues like money or things that feel heavy. Often our stress and Mm -hmm. overwhelm shut down that logical side of our brain. So I like what you're saying about breaking it down. And also when we get really honest with ourselves about what it is we actually want and how much that is and what are the little steps to get there, it almost increases our confidence. You would think the opposite, which is that it would seem so huge. But when we break it down into steps, it almost feels like I can do this a little bit at a time. Instead of that magical thinking people tend to get into with money, where they kind of just put off thinking about it and they have these magical beliefs that one day it's just going to happen or tomorrow I'm just going to figure it out, but today I'm not going to do anything. And there becomes that disconnect, right, that people get stuck in for a long time. I love that you said magical thinking because there is a lot of that around money, around like manifesting money, right? And I think that, yeah, you you could win the lottery that's fine. You might do, you might do that. That might happen. Um, um, you know, a lot of people who win the lottery because they don't have a great relationship with money to begin with, end up losing all that money. They end yeah, up good bankrupt point. with right. And so there is a, there is a lot of empowerment in, uh, breaking things down into steps and moving forward and taking action. And that is really what ends up healing your relationship to money too, is as you start to do things differently with it, it will uh, show up differently in your life. You're, and it's so amazing to be able to create it. I want everyone yeah. to have that feeling. That's important. Yeah. So how do we connect with that feeling a little more? Creating money, getting into the mindset where it doesn't feel so heavy, it feels light, you can be a little more playful with it. It's very difficult for people to make that shift in their thinking about money. You know, yeah. So there's um there's actually a a book called Happy Money that I recommend. It's by um, a man named Ken Honda, and he is he's known as the Zen Millionaire. He's a millionaire uh-huh. in Japan, um, and he writes from I think uh, uh the perspective of Shintoism about money having an energy, and writes about thanking your money and kind of you almost treat money like a person. I always joke that that money is like a beautiful woman. Like she has a lot of options and everybody wants her. So you better be nice to her and pay attention to her. She's going to leave. You, wow. Right. So, <laughs> and so, um, so I think uh, those are ways that I like to be a little bit lighter about it. Uh, the other is to think about if uh, it's very normal for people to jump into fight or flight mode yeah. when they are dealing with money. And I see this at all levels. So people, people who are literally in survival mode, um, who are, you know, maybe living at po- in, in poverty because I've worked in community mental health and that was very much the population I was working with then. Now I'm not working with that population. I work with a lot of people who are very high net worth individuals and even, and they have the same stuff. So yeah. they have this same kind of panic that comes up for them around money. And for them, a lot of what I do is helping them to actually pause, breathe, and ground and connect with the present moment. What is the reality? You are, okay, you are, maybe you are uh, trying to finance a home purchase and it's a very expensive home and you are looking at 
you know, 30 years of paying for this home and you are having to deal with the loan officer and they're asking you, I call it, it's like getting a financial colonoscopy, right? Like they're asking you all sorts of questions and it feels very invasive and you start to panic and uh, maybe you didn't grow up with money. And so, so you end up not becoming ground, getting disconnected from reality. And so you want to remember like, no, I actually, I have money. This is, this is a normal process. You know, you kind of get connected back to what's actually happening in the present moment so that you don't default to old programming, old, old core beliefs, um, and don't regress in your behavior and maybe avoid or yeah, maybe avoid instead of approaching. So what you're saying is that we need to watch what our nervous system is doing when we hear talk about money. Those little internal cues that your fight or flight systems are kicking in when you start talking about money or have to fill out a form about money. What are those internal prompts telling you? And I think what you're saying is listen to them, ground yourself, do the same thing you would do with other subjects that trigger you in that way. Bring the stress down first, and then we can proceed with what is the next best step forward. Exactly. And and again, money is very concrete. So allow it to be concrete and ask questions mm-hmm. and use your experts, right? Do you have an accountant? Talk to your accountant. Do you not have an accountant, but you have access to the internet? Google it. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of times we, we do get so flooded with our emotions that then we don't take the steps, small steps to get help and figure out what it is. What's the next right thing to do in order to get ourselves toward where we want to go? I think a piece of that is that with money comes shame for a lot of people. And shame is a very intense, gripping feeling. And the reason I think there's so much shame around money these days is our own sense of competitiveness about money and a culture that really promotes that you should be making more money all the time. And look at all these things you could have. And look at all these people your age who are making so much more money than you. And we get into this shame cycle with money from comparing ourselves so much to people around us, we lose track and we lose perspective of, okay, I'm doing okay. Things are working out. I have what I need. That kind of self-soothing, we need to do a little more to calm our nervous systems down on a daily level about these types of things. I think that's exactly right. And I think if you had, particularly with people who are quote unquote self-made, if you have a history of, of, financial deprivation or a lot of financial loss, especially as a child, you know, maybe you slept in cars or your family was homeless or there's a lot of drama around that. Um, And so a lot of what happens in the present day, and I have some of this in my own history, is when threats arise that are related to money or your sense of security, some of those old wounds get opened up again. And if you know what the wounds are, and you have tools uh, like self-compassion, mindfulness, and being able to ground yourself, that can go a long way to, to keeping you out of a shame spiral, out of a loop right. that is not going to support and help you. Right. So some of it is acknowledging it, recognizing that feeling and saying, I don't want to add this layer onto an already heavy subject. You know, how can I take care of those feelings And maybe they're not even related to actually what's going on. It's just kind of stirring up some old stories inside of you. So I have a tool in my book, The Ultimate Self-Esteem Toolkit, called The Seesaw, where I look at 
kind of the way the scarcity mindset tends to affect us on one side of the seesaw that you're supposed to visualize is the feeling of scarcity. And on the other side is more of a plentiful or abundant feeling. And the idea is to get people thinking on different subjects, where are you on the seesaw? So again, it's not black and white. Like it's not like you only have a scarcity mindset. It's not that extreme. It's like on the subject of money. Are you on the scarcity side or the abundance side or somewhere in the middle where you can say money comes and goes? I have a lot of it. I have a little of it. I'll be okay. There might be other subjects where you are completely feeling plentiful, like you have a million friends and acquaintances. They come in your life easily. So we can look at different subjects and kind of see where we fall on the seesaw. I think it's perfect. I think that's exactly right. That's um I, I use that tool without even knowing, without knowing its name <laughs> all the time. <laughs> when I notice myself tipping more into the scarcity um, side of the seesaw, I do a lot of work around actually looking around and realizing like, okay, well, I'm in a house right now, um, yeah. or I'm in a, I'm in a car and I'm, and I'm driving and I'm safe and I have, you know, my car is charged and I'm going to, you know, you kind yeah. of just start to look at what is, what are all of the things that I have in my life that actually support me and, and show me that like, no, I'm not going to be on the street, right? Like yeah. that's not going to be part of my reality. Um, that I don't need to allow my mind to go all the way to this like catastrophic conclusion, which right. is not real. And so that I think that is a really important intervention, a uh, very helpful tool. So it's sort of balancing ourselves out, getting ourselves to realize there is a middle. It's not always going to be the most nightmarish extreme, which is often where our brain goes with money. Oh, I lost my job. I'm going to be homeless or I'm going to be so messed up and everything's going to fall apart like it's going to be a domino effect. That's not always how it works in real life. You have little things you can do along the way that are under your control. And I guess it's getting your confidence back that you do have some control in the little steps you can take. That's exactly right. And I think even in uh, the scale of the global economy, for instance, you know, there are, there have been recessions, many recessions and depressions in the, in human history. And even in those times, there are people who are abundant and thriving. So why, why couldn't that be you? Right. So uh, it, it, it is, it is very hard to, to live in a world too, where there's a lot of up and down uh, emotional turmoil around money and keep yourself grounded, but it's very important to do so and to allow it to be this concrete tool. Um, and then also understand that ar- around you in the world, there are all of these emotional forces that are uh, wreaking havoc with it a little bit, but it doesn't have to be with you. You yeah. don't have to engage in that way. And then you can be abundant and you can be safe and successful. So can you leave us with some mini money mindset shifts that people can start saying to themselves right now, especially listeners out there who are in a place where they're feeling a little money insecure? So one of the things that I remind myself is that money is like the ocean. There's a There are cycles to it and it has a flow. So sometimes money's in an ebb and sometimes it's flowing in um, and it comes and goes, right? You said that earlier, money comes and goes. Um, And I have some power to be able to influence the ebb and flow of it. I'm not Mm -hmm. just a, I'm not, you know, just riding the wave of it necessarily. I can also influence the waves. 
I also think it's really important for people to understand I deserve money, right? To be able Mm. to tell them, like, I deserve money. I deserve to make and create money. Um, Money supports me. Money is a good thing to make. A lot of people have core beliefs around money that are really negative. Like, you know, money is the root of all evil, right? That's not true. Money is a neutral tool and I have the power to decide what it is in my life. Right, right. Those are great. So for everyone listening out there, I hope this episode has given you some things to think about, to change up your mindset a little with money, make it a little more light and a little less serious. And like Sepeda says, look at it as a tool, look at it as facts instead of letting yourself drift off too far into the magical thinking that makes you feel tipped over and shameful about where you're at. Thank you so much, Sepeda, for everything that you've talked about today. I really appreciate all your advice and insights. Thank you so much. It was so fun talking with you. And where can people learn more about you and what you do? So my website is runwalktalk.com. And I am on Instagram at runwalktalk. Okay. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks. You too. If you're enjoying tools discussed on the show, please visit risawilliams.com. There you can learn about upcoming episodes, you can check out my books, and you can sign up for my Get Stuff Done Goals group. I'm Risa Williams, and we're out of time for today. Thanks for listening.